I'd like to take his face. Oh. He call himself ass kick instead. Have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and beat to you? Yes! Am I getting through to you? Hello and welcome back to We Bought a Nick on We Bought a Mike, a pop culture cage cast, aka Adapt Cajun, here back again, talking adaptation. Adaptation period is uh, as it's officially called. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it really? Um, okay. We are we are uh, getting into an interesting part of this cage series with uh, adaptation. Um, and who better to have back on the show than a special guest, Harry, welcome back. Hello, everybody. I hope you're all doing great. I've enjoyed the many stylings of Nicolas Cage. He's like one of my favorite actors, both ironically and unironically, which is why he's good. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was my guy in high school. I ate up like Wicker Man and Vampire's Kiss and Bad Lieutenant and Face Off and all these things. But I figured for this show, you know, I could do the crazy Gonzo thing he does and go for one of those movies, or I could try something different and do something a little moodier and try a, uh, a movie like this. And a weird one. Try out two Nick Cages. If you like one <laughs> Nick Cages, how about two Nick Cages? Face Off. <laughs> wishes that it had yeah. two full-on nick cages uh i'm earnest i am do i have an original thought in my head my bald head <laughs> maybe if i were happier my hair wouldn't be falling out oh not life the is whole short quote. i need to make the most of it Jesus <laughs> my name is hunter i'm not gonna read through the whole quote i'll save that for best quotes and i drew and today <laughs> You drew I a drew. picture. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You got. You want to elaborate on that, or no? we, we drew a screenplay. Don't. Okay. There you go. Um. Yeah. So Spike Jones adaptation. Nick Cage. Charlie Kaufman. The the <laughs> dynamic trio. Ultra. Uh. Super duper battery that powers this movie. A movie that also has Chris Cooper and Meryl Streep oh as God. like Chris Cooper giving an Oscar winning performance. Yeah, he's crazy good. We'll get to that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's crazy that like right off the bat, you look at how those are the kind of secondary players of the top tier, like Cage Kaufman. They're they're Johns. behind two Nick Cages, right in the building. Yes. <laughs> um, this movie's wild. This is a wild, wild movie. I am a little worried that is there is just too much to fit into a single podcast episode, but we're going to do our damn best um, because between those three guys, there's so much to get into. Obviously, we've been talking about Nicolas Cage a whole bunch on this show uh, recently, but right now we get the chance to also dive into Spike Jones and Charlie Kaufman, which <laughs> right there, that's two other series that could happen right there that we need to try to, you know, uh, summarize in just one episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So many things to get into and it all kind of coalesces in this one movie, the the careers of these three guys. And again, 
you got Meryl fucking Streep and yeah. Chris Cooper in there too, <laughs> you know? So it's not like your, um, uh, the, the, your pickings are sparse with what's going on in this movie. Even Okay. So even if we go past the main, the big three cast, this whole cast has a deep fucking bench on it too. We got Tilda Swinton in there. We got Ron yeah. Livingston as the horny uh, horny agent man, <laughs> I fucked her up the ass. Um, <laughs> you got the king Brian Cox in this movie, oh, who's just there throwing 120 oh. mile per hour heaters just for like the four minutes of this movie Incredible. that he's in. so good. Maggie Gyllenhaal, Judy Greer, I it's so good. Catherine this, Keener, Catherine Keener, yeah. <laughs> um, great. So I've seen this movie a few times now. Um, I think this was my third time. Um, so I, I saw it last year around this time last year, like kind of like that time when I was doing kind of comfort rewatches early quarantine. I, I put on like a star is born and eighth grade and was just trying to kind of feel good watching movies that I knew I loved. And this was one of them. And now watching it a third time, I'm like, this is one of the best movies. Like this is just an incredible, incredible home run of a movie. And, you know, we'll dive into it. We're going to get into it. It is uh, very Kaufman-esque, which comes with its own baggage. You know, a guy writing about himself, about being a writer. And you're going to get some weirdness with that. Um but I think it works so well in this movie. I think it just, everything just sings so fucking perfectly. Um, and I'm, I'm working out this thought and I don't know if I'm going to like feel hundred percent on it by the end of this episode, but I feel like this is the best cage. This Whoa. is the best mm. spike. Whoa. And this is the best Kaufman. Whoa. Mm. I am kind of there right now. This is I'm, really, this is your fucking, right your dream team assembled yeah. right here and it paid like off they're all way. meeting each other at their um as the podcast uh that is very popular that movie podcast likes to call it um apex mountain um <laughs> very popular called it anything yeah, very popular movie podcast <laughs> as a category called apex mountain uh and this is like the definition of that uh, for these three guys, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the thing is it's also Sweet. very debatable because these guys have done so many great things. It's, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can say that this is the apex. I, at first, well, for one, I think that as far as Nick Cage's like career arc where he was the most notable successfully, I think that has to go to the Con Air, the Rock Con Air face off. That's yeah, when that's he is the most profitable yeah. A-lister in the world. That's a good point. As far as like his artistic apex, this is pretty close up there. This face-off and my personal favorite vampire's kiss um, <laughs> are like all kind of my personal favorite type of cage. Kaufman, I know you are a bit more lukewarm on Kaufman. I know, Harry, you are the same way on Kaufman. <laughs> you are a mixed bag. I am fully in the bag for Charlie Kaufman. I think that like this style of writing that he does we were talking about before uh the podcast started anybody else does this this movie is pretentious dog shit like it is just unwatchable it is a wild um, idea and even still 
Um, I was like looking it up on Wikipedia. Did you know what the cinema score for this uh, movie was? Probably like a uh, B minus C plus. It was a C. Well, uh, which that. so for people who don't know, cinema score is just um, pollsters will just ask people as they come out of the movie, "Did you like this or dislike this?" On average, a movie gets a B plus. If a movie a movie is like bad, if it gets like a B minus, a C is like just really fucking bad so mass audiences did not like this movie I've, and it's fair to understand mm -hmm. why yeah i fully I fully believe that yeah, like like it, the, yeah of course like this is a movie for like people who like like movies yeah and like it's and for the, fucking nerds yeah right, writers too yeah i mean especially writers but it's, it's just it's for people who like dissecting how movies work because that's all the movie does i've had to study this movie multiple times for classes i've taken mm -hmm. um the screenplay specifically yeah of course only the the screenplay which is it's good because this this is a really good way to introduce students to meta text in film obviously it's like it's the most metatextual film there ever has been uh by design and the problem is though you don't want uh students who are taking a screenwriting course to think that they can do something like this yeah it almost feels like it's like counterintuitive to it's teach not, yeah. kids this it's based just off of this movie. they're gonna take all idea. the wrong lessons yeah. from well, it it's just you can learn so much because like literally robert mckee is in the movie and says a lot of things that robert mckee did say yeah they, like yeah. his teaching yeah, four on the floor <laughs> <laughs> as as the great mckee once yeah said. um but you i said this like last week i'm pretty sure you don't start your screenplay with a writer who has writer's block right you never you don't start your it's book like that. The thing is, there are a million like very classic, well-regarded uh, books and movies and shows that do start that way because like, you know, it's been done. Uh, we, we're past that point. You don't want to do it. The reason it works for Kaufman is because he's, I think he's one of maybe only a few people that I could see like fully seeing this concept through to its like end point. Yeah. Like to, if you're going to go fully in on the meta text narrative about making it about making the movie and uh figuring out the screenplay as the action is picking up you have to fully like delve into that you can't sort of like you can't half-ass half -ass it you that's, yeah. that's why the movie's so perfect yeah, to me because it could have been a train wreck it's just he's he's the only person that i could see making the snake like eat its own tail the way that it does in this movie it gets he's to a, levels of recursion that i've never seen in film before he's an ouroboros figure uh so i've had this movie uh on dvd for like five years and i just never got around to it and i put it in and like you know it's it i gotta give kaufman credit and i'm gonna look through this movie a lot through the lens of him as a screenwriter more so than jones as a director because it's about him um but like you just get assaulted by neuroses and anxiety immediately and i'm like oh right yes i forgot this is what this guy does he writes about craft and himself and being kind of twerpy and there is a there is something endearing to that but i i will be up front that like um and maybe it's because i am a writer but i get very very tired of people writing about writing pretty quick <laughs> um mostly because i kind of i get it pretty quick and i i don't know so i liked this movie a good amount it's definitely one of his less annoying movies uh weirdly but it's um it's kind of for me like on the strength of the director and in particular, Nick Cage, who I think yes. is like 
utterly phenomenal in this. It's of course, though, of course, I did remember I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Nick Cage is playing twins in this. I wonder what that's going to be. And it's just them talking about movie structure. Like, obviously, that's all it's going to be <laughs> like. So it's it's just a complicated thing for me where, you know, I've liked a few of his movies. I've liked Wreck, uh, uh, sorry, being John Malkovich a lot. Um, but I wasn't like as blown away by the structure or the kind of like the reveal that he's writing about a movie that's happening as he's writing it, where more, I was just more like, this is interesting and I get it. Um, I have very complicated feelings on this movie, but I definitely liked it. Um, I, I wasn't like annoyed. There were moments where I got close to like just rolling my eyes completely about all this, but like you guys are both, you guys are all saying like, you know, you know, he can make this work. And I think that's true because he's like a very, clearly he's skilled, he has craft, but like, I don't know. I'm not as like amused by all of the, um, the winking and the self-knowing and the X, Y, Z's is it. Um, but I don't know. I, I will pay for his therapy if he wants. I know it's been a while, but <laughs> you like, basically did. By I did. I did. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's, inter- it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this movie though. No, I, I know what you mean. Uh, the reason that doesn't get to me is because we don't like have a trove of filmmakers making films like this. It's yeah. You know, it, as far as like, like popular critically well-received at the very least movies, he's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm willing to let one guy make this type of thing. If you don't want to watch anyone yeah. do it ever, then like, you know, it's just not the movies for you. Yeah, I, I feel exactly the same way. Like this would be completely insufferable in anybody else's hands and Kaufman and Jones together, make it work, make something work that shouldn't really work. Like this pitch for a movie is it's not a good idea just flat out like to make a movie about you writing the movie. Also don't like, that's not a good idea. Well, and it just works here. Also, by the way, uh, cause this, this movie is about Charlie Kaufman trying to adapt a, a script from a novel, a nonfiction yeah. novel called the orchid thief yeah. that he actually in real life was hired to adapt. That was a bad idea. That, yes. movie, <laughs> that movie really does sound like it would be awful. Just a, like a straightforward orchid thief. That, that, that yeah. there's not much story there. Yeah. That was more interesting to me, actually, just considering like how like you would go about like forcing a three act structure into this kind of more shapeless story. I kind of like related to that more. But I, I was kind of thinking about that same thing or I'm just like, what is it about this guy that makes his musings about his career become so palatable and interesting to an audience that he's been able to do this multiple times and i I, it didn't like completely like i wasn't fully like oh you're just like a you know like a fraud or like whatever but i was more like there's something here i don't really understand that just a lot of people relate to maybe we're all just a little anxious and we feel bad about ourselves maybe that's why it's it's, it's like (laughs) i was gonna say that there is i've seen the flip side of this whole idea of writing yourself into a story and it being awful it was a movie that i talked about a couple years ago Mm-hmm. A documentary called The Amazing Jonathan Documentary. Have you guys heard, yeah. seen this? I remember you talking about it. I think I was on the episode when you talked about it. I, I hate I hated this movie because <laughs> it was following yeah. a uh, famous magician on his like last tour, this like dying magician. And the documentarian puts himself and makes the second half of this movie about him and trying to like find the own illusions in his own life. Mm. And it's awful. It's truly like I know a lot of people like like the movie a lot and I found it unbearably pretentious. Yeah, that only works if the documentarian 
has like a really deeply personal like yeah, like minding the gap that's what yeah that's what i was gonna yeah. say is like that's why that works is because he is where he's digging into himself just because he's giving himself the same treatment he's giving everybody else there um it's not just about like i'm sad you but know i do think this movie probably has i think just if you look at it i think this movie has the highest variance of any movie ever made i think that this movie uh is like unwatchable it's like a zero out of 10 in a lot of people's hands it can be pretty mediocre or it could be a masterpiece which i think that charlie kaufman yes yeah. well it also it also largely come down comes down to the fact that like this wasn't a project this movie wasn't a project that was shopped the adaptation of orchid thief was yeah that was shopped yeah. and given to charlie the yeah. the amount of like fucking putting his head down that he has to do in meetings in order to get something like this greenlit it is unbelievable like this is yeah. not something that any studio wants like he was paid money to adapt the movie and he had to go to 1 million meetings and he's more bullish and assholey than his character is in this movie. I believe that. Yeah. yeah. Like he goes into these meetings and he's like, no, you have to trust me. This is going to be about me. <laughs> the character is named me and he's, and he's struggling to write this movie because it's a horrible idea. So apparently like, imagine, imagine having to assert that that will work. Apparently, um, because Spike Jones also directed being John Malkovich that mm -hmm. Charlie Kaufman wrote. Apparently while they were shooting the movie and you get a little bit in the movie when we're like on set of being John Malkovich, which is crazy that they put that in there. But yeah. apparently while they're working on being John Malkovich, um, Charlie Kaufman went up to Spike Jones and told him about how much he was struggling to adapt this book mm -hmm. and what he was thinking about doing with the movie and like, how he was trying to turn it into this meta piece that we ended up getting and spike jones was like you're crazy dude like you're going <laughs> to tank your career like don't do it <laughs> yeah he was trying to like be a friend and, and tell him like this is the worst idea you could have man come on it's funny like for me i know i mean i'm not going to take anything away from spike jones because i think that spike jones is a genius but it's interesting that you think that this is i don't think that this is my favorite spike jones job as far as direction goes like you put her up over this i would put I would. the direction in her over i think that her, her is a gorgeous movie it, it's not only is it gorgeous but it, it really captures a tone that is that comes down fully to the direction for me like the co-leads well i guess uh three leads of this movie are two nick cages and charlie kaufman like charlie kaufman mm -hmm. is what i think about when i think about this movie more than spike jones yeah where something like being John Malkovich is kind of like more of a true two-hander between writer and director. I don't think that he, that movie works without both of them. And I don't think this movie would be quite as good if you put somebody else directing this, but I don't think that the movie completely falls apart if you put a pretty competent director at the helm of you, it. You got to put somebody in there. It'd fall apart for me if it wasn't Spike Jones. I'm yeah, if it he if really Kaufman directed it, there. it would be too much. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that. But I, that's I, what I, that's what I'm thinking of ending things is. Oh, like no, well, agreed. The, the, agreed. Taking the being inside somebody somebody's psyche, like diving fully into the brain of somebody, which you are doing and being John Malkovich, and you're doing more so in this movie because that's the entire movie. You're basically inside of charlie kaufman's head um and 
I'm thinking of ending things is like the the fullest yeah. version of but that. There's a I mean, there's a surrealism to I'm thinking of ending things that is yeah. not in this. I mean, there's kind of a different type of surrealism in this movie. Yeah, this is like a heightened reality. That's just like another reality. Yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah, it's it's it. it's more psychedelic. Uh, I would say like I'm thinking of anything says. Um, and but regardless, the reason that this movie works so well for Cage, why he was a great choice is the thing that I keep on saying, which is Nick Cage, it keeps coming up in articles about his performances. He basically likes doing ac acting exercises in his films. And <laughs> that's, the, there's not, it's not like uh, some conspiracy how Charlie Kaufman gets the actors he gets to be in these mm -hmm. movies. He gets AAAA listers for movies that uh, are odds on going to flop a little bit yeah like and that's because these actors can do things that they have never get a chance to do in in kaufman movies um and obviously they appreciate his his slant because they're up their own asses as well but in a more like narcissistic way he's um, so incredible i mean i think it's like one of those things where you know he nick cage is so on and so like 11 out of 10 and everything he does and there's such like a thrill and uniqueness to that for him but like he is insanely good at playing two completely different people who are dressed alike and look alike and don't really have that many visual signifiers but you know the minute they're on screen together like the second who is who and it's all and it, it's like a kind of understated and a kind of nuance that he doesn't get he doesn't do a ton and i think he's really fucking good at it in this in particular yeah. like i yeah. can't like this is easily like in his top three performances for me i think he's unbelievable in it do you guys i was gonna save it for uh the recaging couch but do you guys know who is originally what? set to play yeah uh the dual yeah, role of ahead. charlie and donald tom hanks I think this movie does not work no in this. Way. It does not work with I mean, Tom Hanks. if it's somebody who's not Charlie Kaufman, if sure. it's some writer, yeah, but then it's not of this movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like Tom <laughs> Hanks did not do Charlie Cage. Kaufman. Like I buy Cage as a version of Kaufman, 100%. Oh, yeah. He can, He's he can tap into that yeah. kind of. <laughs> this is the He's... first movie that doesn't pretend that <laughs> Nicolas Cage is hot. Yeah. That no. we've watched yet. He's yeah. so good at playing, like, even this, like a more, like, a more grounded kind of breakdown and dissolving of just psyche, where it's not like he's going crazy, but you can tell this man is frayed at the edges and then like more so as the movie goes on and it's like he's got that kind of manicness in general but in this it just seems more like just emotional exhaustion i i'm really impressed by this um, the more i'm talking about it thinking about it yeah it's a it's a very tricky needle to thread um and I, hanks i don't i just don't see it working and that's rare that you would say yeah, that think. about any role in any movie <laughs> well nick yeah, cage no is oh, sorry hanks is like a movie star he's got a warm genial thing and this requires more you know kind of like neuroses i don't yeah. think sure tom hanks yeah. is a neurotic guy you know yeah it has he's to be Santa someone <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, literally he is all well, yeah, aboard right. yeah, yeah. I, I would never look at hanks and see a screenwriter but i do want to <laughs> no. say it he is nick cage is so good that i forget that literally his all of his conversations with his brother are like well what do you think makes a good movie i'll tell you <laughs> what makes a good movie and i don't even care because they're so good i'm just like this is actually being palatable for me and i'm the person to get annoyed by this and it yeah. didn't 
quite tip over for me. It also, the, the timing of uh, the conversations is really, they're pretty quick and snappy for, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. filmed uh, separately discussions like it, it feels like primer at some points but th- if the two dudes weren't in the same room well, that's that's my whole thing with my take about how you have this trivecta right mm-hmm. because every piece is making the other one better right if you sure. only had Kaufman it would fall apart only Cage it would fall apart only Spike it would fall apart like you start out with the script. That's the foundation, what Kaufman wrote. And then every player brings their A game to elevate it. Cage oh. makes it better. Spike makes it better. Like they, this is the, the truest, purest form of like filmmaking as a collaborative medium where you have this rock solid, incredible script as the foundation. And then it blossoms like a beautiful flower. <laughs> And you're going to make me incredible. like this movie more. You're going to make me like this movie a lot more the more you talk about it, Ernest. God damn it. Uh, one thing I will say, Harry, this movie really benefits for a rewatch. I watched this movie for the first time last mm. year and I did really enjoy it. Like I loved it the first time I watched it, but especially watching it a second time because he is talking about the movie that's happening. Like yeah. there's specific lines where they're like, I'm not going to have any drugs and no guns in this movie. And then like when that payoff happens and there's so many little seeds of that, this movie is like excellent on rewatch. Yeah. Like every Charlie Kaufman movie is because he is it's an layered. insane writer. It's, it's, the, like pa- it's the Paddington 2 of um, it, it is depression. the Paddington 2. Yes. <laughs> well, every, need, everything pays off. I just we I just want to yeah. say real quick for the listeners, just go watch the movie because we're yeah, gonna please. we're gonna get into some <laughs> details. Um that you don't really like you this this is one of those movies that like the less you know about it the more rewarding it is as you kind of like discover it for yourself and uncover kind of where it goes. So go check it out. Uh, It's on Pluto TV right um, now with ads. I actually wanted to ask you guys, um, did you just get the same commercials like playing constantly the COVID, every like, 10 minutes? COVID vaccine. Oh, no, I wish. I had a, a Spanish Toyota commercial that would I at one not, point no. play four times in a row. No, I got <laughs> I got Christ. one that was like, go get vaccinated. Man, I wish that I got those. Yeah, I watched it via an old link I had from UCF. Oh, nice. And uh, <laughs> it, the quality I, was bad. I have Well, I have the Blu-ray for it, but I'm currently in the middle of packing up my house and all mm. my like Pretty much my prized possession you is just the sitting Shout in a box Factory and it's version. No, I need to get the Shout Factory one. Um, I just have the one. the straight blue, but I know that there is a commentary on there with I think Charlie and Spike Ooh. that I would Ooh. just love to dive into. It was on it was on Criterion Channel last year. That's yep. where I watched it last year, and now it's gone. Spike is the top five most blessed life, I think. Yeah, of, of almost. <laughs> Isn't it, we just the other day. To? The other oh, who is he married to? He he isn't married to anyone at the moment. He was oh, married okay. to Sophia Coppola, who yeah. he right. uh, divorced, and then that inspired her. So he, we uh, watched for Hunter's birthday last week. We we watched uh, Jackass the movie, the first one. Very pretty connect. Jackass is a very vital part of Spike Jones's yeah. like yeah. like come up story. Um, and yeah, he, he shows up in it. He gets in the old man makeup and like just does like street chicanery. <laughs> It's very, I mean, very he's cool. also like well, a producer. Whenever, whenever I director. was like obsessed with Jackass when I was like eight, I had no idea who the hell Spike Jones yeah, was. No, but. no. 
just just a blessed guy fucking he starts off making skateboard vids he gets in with the jackass boys like he's just cool as fuck some music videos in there as well yeah great music videos incredible music videos Uh, didn't he direct that um that one uh with uh fk twigs recently for apple yeah yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying before. That which is, it's a good commercial, very well made commercial. He, be, he becomes homies with we, Kaufman. <laughs> we did a, a watch of David Fincher commercials a few days ago. Um, oh, nice! And yeah, he's just one of those guys. Yeah, but if you go on I, on IMDb, most of his credits are for shorts, uh, documentaries. He did like a Beastie Boys documentary recently. Um, yeah, music videos, commercials, things like that, and he has a couple feature films in there. A total of four, four. <laughs> and this is I, one of them. So he does being weird. John Malkovich, then this one, then where the wild things are. And then her, which came out eight years ago. Is he going to make a movie? I mean, again? he is, he made a, um, the documentary about the beastie boys last year yeah. for Apple plus, uh, which I never saw. Um, mostly cause I didn't have Apple plus at the time, but he also wrote her. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, he won the Oscar for it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like unbelievably well written. Yeah. Um, he, I hate that guy, man. He just, like, if he, if he does <laughs> it, too thing, cool. Like, yeah, he's, he's like one of those dudes, like Glover, where he just like does something and he's good, like at it. <laughs> um, good at getting good at stuff. What were you gonna say, Harry? Oh, I was just gonna say uh, I haven't seen her, um, but I do really enjoy where the wild things are, and I think it's just a beautiful looking movie. It's just. I think it's probably his best looking, which is like kind of easy when it's a fantasy world of giant monsters. But um, I still think Requiem for fucking uh, goddamn. Uh, I think being John Malkovich is his best movie. I keep mixing it up with Requiem. Requiem for, for a Malkovich. Requiem for Malkovich. <laughs> um, ass to so ass. It's weird. No one's talked about the best performance in this movie, which is Chris Cooper, which is like Oscar winning. Oscar Did he really win for this? Yeah, he yeah. won. He won Good. an Academy well, Award for this. No, um, Nick Cage, uh, Meryl Streep, and Chris Cooper were all nominated, along with Charlie Kaufman. And yeah. uh, Chris Cooper was the only one hey, to win. Charlie and Donald Kaufman and were Donald. both nominated yeah. for the Oscar. <laughs> they which took is, two of the five spots. They split the vote. It was really it a mistake is, on their part. In the every time I look at that, it like breaks my brain <laughs> that the Oscars nominated a fictional character for best They're having, adapted screenplay. It's They're incredible. having fun. It's so That's good. It's so funny. I mean, obviously, like in the credits of the movie, it's credited to Donald uh, and dedicated to him because of the uh, ending. Um, Even what, in the credits are meta. Like this is incredible. Yeah, this it's, movie's it's perfect. So, it's so weird. It's so crazy. But like as the as the movie gets to its third act, like you understand why it happens. You know, it has that choice of crediting the movie to Donald and ultimately nominating him for the Academy Award. It has a pivotal role in the story of the movie. Mm. Because he gets him to help him with the script. Do you Mm -hmm. think that, because this is pre-mass internet days, do you think that Charlie Kaufman just submitted that and the account and like people were just like, okay, yeah, Charlie's got a brother. No. (laughs) Do you think, what are, like, what is the percentage? Like 10% chance that the Academy was just like, yeah, yeah, both of them are, right? And then just Charlie shows up. Yeah. And when they called his name, when they're doing the nominations or 
they're announcing the nominees and they have the camera on him. It's just a shot of Nick Cage. Yeah. Just sitting there. Like, it's just Nick very Cage antsy. and Charlie Goffman look sitting next to each other. <laughs> um, but yeah, Chris Cooper, um, he owns this movie. Like he, he is like kind of the heart and soul of the movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of those things where I feel like um, if this was the Charlie Kaufman show, a hundred percent, yeah, you wouldn't have that performance. It wouldn't be a pivotal part of the movie. Uh, but because Spike Jones uh, has, you know, equal um, amount of creative stake in the final product, and it's not just the Kaufman show, a hundred percent, you get this uh, incredible Chris Cooper performance. Um, because you are kind of devoting a lot of time to Meryl Streep and, and Chris Cooper. Mm-hmm. There are like long stretches of the movie where you're not seeing Cage at all. And you kind of, you know, just are fully in this story you start of to, Susan and uh, Yeah, you John. start to get into the story, like the actual story of the book. And like, I'm never going to fucking read this book or anything. So I don't even like know how much of what was happening in this story even is real. Because he's talking about like, I don't want to make up what happens in their yeah. story. Hey, it's in so Florida. You assume that They're right down the road. They really are like, like, we Florida. can just go drive down yeah. there. <laughs> Well, I was just more like, you know, I'm like sitting in on my couch, just taking in all the, you know, let's just be honest, a little bit of jerking off by Kaufman. And then there's that scene where just Chris Cooper starts talking about like the importance of bees fucking and how that just relates to like the small actions we make. And I remember just like sitting up and being like, oh, this, not only does this character have so much more depth and interest kind of like affecting me, this is like the best thing I've ever seen Chris Cooper do. Cause I've always Mm kind of, Vietnam is a bit player, to be honest. I mean, you know, like he's doing his work. And like, I think that's kind of the, the, the theme of the movie that's most interesting to me, where it's just you have uh, Meryl Streep trying, just kind of not falling in love, but getting like attracted to this man and like the idea of this creeper meaning and something more and just trying to like get a hold of that, idea, that ethereal thing. And then, you know, she finds the flower and it's just kind of like a thud for her. And then it just kind of dissolves into this weird kind of banal drug addict romance thing, which is so much more human and, and in a way disappointing than what she was hoping to find. And I, I feel like that's one of the more interesting parts of the movie of trying to like find this kind of like great thing that, that has narrative weight and kind of like some greater insight into the world. And then, seeing beneath it it's just like this kind of whatever uh affair between these two people that ends up almost killing nick cage twice well, but, but it is it is that to her like she does find it in john even if it is mm-hmm. kind of whatever like this guy's not that great of a guy um you know he's this pornographer was- in the swamps of florida <laughs> but she does find that in a way she does find what she's looking for in him but what I, I was thinking, read. I took it, I was, took it more just oh, kind sorry, of sad. No, oh, I, yeah. I just, I, I didn't take it as like, she found she was looking for it. It felt more like the narrative aspirations kind of just are revealed that that kind of idea is just kind of falls through. And what you have more so is just people, you know, and there's like something kind of romantic to it, but it's much more real than like what these writers are trying to create through their words. Uh, and you were saying, Hunter. Yeah, I'm just saying, I think that that 
you're exactly right in that point. And that I think is kind of the genius in the way that Kaufman does set up the script, because I feel like absolutely none of that was in the book at all. This was literally just a book about flowers and uh, about some people who like to steal orchids and Charlie Kaufman spends the first half of the movie trying to say, like, I want to make a story where there isn't any kind of connection. Nobody really grows in the end. And then he has to come to the point where he realizes, like, oh, that's bad. Nobody wants to see that. So he completely fabricates this story of a romance and of a connection. And that's that's fucking genius. And that's also why Donald gets credit because Donald told him, yeah, you got to have rising action, stakes, romance, sex. (laughs) That's I'm writing a thriller. What genre is the best part of the movie to me? That works so well for me. That's the, that's what makes this movie great is that Mm -hmm. it, for as much as it tries to not be conventional and be a this like super weird unique thing it actually is kind of conventional it is yeah oh, like it, it does is. have a pretty standard plot yeah, structure it's, it's mckee's like story arc it just yeah it it obviously isn't going to hit as hard in terms of just like base story connection with an audience because it's jarring especially in the front half of the movie when these worlds feel so insanely disconnected from each other right and we're switching to and fro and like you said we're spending like lengthy periods of time with each and uh uh that's one thing that's still to me i cannot help but think like if i'm just like joe person watching this movie i'm not i'm not vibing at all no way like not in the slightest and that is it's not a failing of Kaufman because he knows that he can't do certain things. He's um he he's not so much a one trick pony to me as he is like a specialist. Like he knows what he's crazy good at. And he's sort of yeah. like, why would I do something else? None of his movies are the same thing while, while still very much being the same thing, which is mm-hmm. his his feelings or mm-hmm. his anxieties or whatever. So I'll give him that he's found ways to kind of get all that out through different enough outlets that it doesn't feel like he's repeating himself ever. Good Lord. That's not true. But uh, he is diving yeah. deeper into something though. I, I, I really do feel like each one of his movies does have some connection to the one before it in some way, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you go, you go from um, uh, being John Malkovich to this, to then yeah. eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, then synecdoche New York, then Anomalisa, and now I'm thinking of ending things. I'm skipping a couple in there. I think he did something called Confessions uh, of a Dangerous Mind, which doesn't really fit that theory too much. And he does have something else uh, that not many people have seen. Um, Let me see if I can find it real quick. It's called... um, Oh, well, of course, he was on the Dana Carvey show on staff. That's... Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you wrote for us. Uh, no, yeah, human nature. It's called, um, which I have no idea what that is. But there yeah, is confessions of a dangerous mind. Actually, came out the screenplay for that came out the same year as adaptation. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I think that was directed by George Clooney. Um, yeah. Yes. With Sam Rockwell starring. <laughs> Um, I think I saw that movie. Have I don't you, remember anything about it. I don't it. know. I've never seen that movie before. Um, but Kaufman, yeah, he he has this obsession, obviously, with like um, consciousness and like identity and like our psyche and like 
human behavior connection. Yeah. There's, there's this common thread all the way down through all of his movies. And to me, he, I mean, this, this movie in particularly, but um, they're all kind of about uh, loneliness to some extent. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, And, and, and like what makes people lonely and are we all lonely, you know? So for me, uh, that at its uh, most uh, like really depressing is Anomalisa, which yeah. is Anomalisa is a movie I do admire the hell of out of it. I saw it once and I never want to see that movie again. That movie put me in like a depressed funk for like two weeks because I was like, we're all alone in this world. We're all going to die alone <laughs> in this world. Yeah, I can't speak toward that one. It seems like it may not uh, apply as much to what I'm about to say, but he's not. Th- I think that a reason that he makes this type of thing work is that usually his movies do not come across at all as misanthropic. It's not like he just hates human beings. It's just that he doesn't get them. Right. Like he wants to be a human and he can't. He's trying to understand. Yeah. It's movies about a robot trying to <laughs> like trying to come to grips with like, you know what I mean? Like he just, but if you actually hear the guy talk, he does sound very human. He's not like when you hear interviews with him or like you read stuff he has to say, like, he sounds very human well, and sympathetic in real life. He, yeah, he is more obviously more human than like, you know, than Philip Seymour Hoffman is going to be in Synecdoche or whatever. Like he, he has a more, more of a, a grip on reality, but he also likes to delve into the fact that like uh, art and life are synonymous. And the more the line blurs, the weirder shit gets. Are you saying that I can just like go like have a beer with uh, Charlie Kaufman at Knicks game or something like that? <laughs> I, I'm saying you Sounds probably awful. could. I'm saying you probably could, but you no. would hate it. I don't want to. <laughs> I'd be there. I, I would love I to know. kill myself after a night hanging out with Charlie Kaufman. I want to um, ask him how many wedgies he got in high school. Yeah. <laughs> just, I really want to know. Maybe he gave some. I, I this dude I was awesome. not. No, this this is like uh, beta male, but like the best possible he's just, version of that. He's a dude out. who I think really just wants to be like dumb. Like he, he wishes yeah. that he were just a dumb person. He That's could just a good like, way to play. He, yeah, he could just like go to a basketball he's game. Dumb and, like, people really yeah. good in his movies. He wishes he could just yeah. like go eat a hot dog and watch a game and like clap or whatever. You know what is another <laughs> thing that he does really well is writing oblivious characters, even more than dumb characters. Mm-hmm. If you Donald. Being John Malkovich, Donald, even uh, I'm thinking of ending things. The entire Jesse Plemons character is just written to be like completely oblivious of everything that's happening around him. And he does so well at writing those characters. And I think that's because he is so neurotic and he's constantly aware of everything around him. And he doesn't understand why nobody else is like that. According to Wikipedia, he uh, performed the lead role in a production of Played Against Sam during his senior year. So if anybody out there has a tape of young Charles at his uh, high school in Hartford, <laughs> Connecticut, um, we'll do a we'd watch love along. to see that. Yeah. Um, so let's let's dive into the movie a little bit more specifically. So final final. Uh, warning if you're still listening you haven't seen the movie we're going to spoil it so uh by the way i love the poster i've always loved the poster Mm -hmm. for this movie even before i had seen it it's just like nick cage's head is a is a flower pot broken uh it's striking 
yeah with an orchid coming out of it like i i, I remember seeing that in in a uh, blockbuster and just being like Ooh. i want to see that movie yeah it's like it's a classic movie that i just remember yeah growing up seeing because yeah this is 2002 so this was in like my peak years of going to blockbuster yeah. all the time yeah i would see i would see that posters. box and matchstick men and i'd be like huh the range of cage are those the same movie i'd like to explore this further in some sort of audio exclusive <laughs> format uh so yeah, Hunter alluded to earlier, but this movie opens with like a massive fucking monologue of Nick Cage as Kaufman uh, coping or, or struggling with his uh, self-loathing. And there's a lot of that in this movie. I, there's so much like voiceover of Kaufman uh, just telling himself like how much he hates himself. There's, I just want to read one part of it. It's the last part of uh, the whole monologue that he gives. That's just like fucking incredible that it's before it's still cutting to black. The actual credits with the names are rolling. It's just like men don't have to be attractive, but that's not true. Especially these days, almost as pressure, almost as much pressure on men as there is on women these days. Maybe it's my brain chemistry. All my problems and anxiety can be reduced to a chemical imbalance or some kind of misfiring synapses. I need to get help for that. But I'd still be ugly, though. Nothing's going to change that. Yeah. And then it just cuts to Nick Cage just profusely sweating (laughs) in a restaurant with Tilda Swinton. So essentially the first like third or so of this movie is a lot of that. It's just him like struggling with writer's block, meeting with uh, Tilda Swinton um, and then having these conversations with Donald um about like what makes a good screenplay and donald has that kind of uh antithesis of just being like hey you know you got to stick to the book here's robert mckee here's his 10 commandments uh follow the rules and and you'll have a good script on your hands and donald eventually uh starts writing his own screenplay the three uh, a thriller where <laughs> the cop and the killer are all the same person or whatever the cop, the killer and the girl are all the same person I love that's that coming up in the in the quotes man there's some fucking <laughs> gems from donald in the case i love that it's yeah. the like the like word the and then number three like yeah. you can't even like get it consistent that's like a really good joke <laughs> and it's like yeah, written guess, on the yeah. page that's for me like i know it's like thematically important ultimately but i feel like kind of weirdly even still the weakest part of the movie where it has no real bearing on the plot per se not this is a plotty movie but it's really just like them talking about movie structure yeah and it's kind of it kind of feels almost in a vacuum a little bit just this thing to the side uh which i'm not against like structurally but like when it is kind of as indulgent as what makes a good movie? I'm going to talk about story tropes and da 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 da. This is not like a very like uh, critical take for me. This is more just um, me subjectively kind of getting tired of that stuff. Uh, but the, that said, Nick Cage does it so fucking well. Yeah, that's what that I was about he, to say. He carries yeah. on it. scenes. He does, and it's it's it, you're what you're saying about Hunter. Like Donald is oblivious, maybe not dumb, or maybe a little, but like he's still never unlikable. And the other one, Charlie is annoying, but he's never unlikable. They're both like very interesting shades of people, at least to me. They both kind of like walk the line well. Yeah, it makes sense why like people still will like, even though like, I mean, celebrities, like people on his own set won't come up to talk to him, but like. <laughs> 
people like Judy Greer, Carrie, uh, uh, oh, the it? waitress, um, uh, Kara so... Seymour, um, his mm-hmm. like kind of lady interest. Like you can tell why they are like, maybe not physically attracted to him, but like attracted to this type of person because he seems harmless. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's an incel. He is. He's, he's sipping hard for Kara This is the story of an incel becoming a Chad. It's it's the greatest arc it's, ever known no, to man. The story of an incel becoming Joker. No, he doesn't. Uh, tr- by the Joker. way, I off topic, a little Jokery. Quick horny moment. Judy Greer looks amazing in the movie. Hey, let's I think she looks go. <laughs> let's fucking go. What, what is what Judy. is it that she said? She's like she's like let's go check out what's around back. Yeah, it <laughs> is. it's like a magical land. The cuts to him just jacking <laughs> off in his bed. That's the funniest one is fucking Meryl Streep. That's that's the great. Oh, got it, dude. They got the making out. Man, that's got to be. I bet if you like sit down with Nick Cage for long enough, he'll say like, "Hey, no hot yogurt was needed for that scene." Mm, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm fucking saying, bro. And they try to like dress her down to make her look like a regular New Yorker writer. You know, but it's, it's still funny. Ma- Meryl, it's still Meryl, Meryl is like so. I mean, she is playing the straightest role of any character in this movie, and even she gets a little bit wild At towards the end. The end. Yeah. But like, I feel like Meryl is almost over, like underrated in this movie, yeah. which is strange to yeah. say about fucking Meryl Streep, who's one of the most decorated mm-hmm. actors ever. Um, but like, she is kind of perfect for this type of role, like. If, he, if Meryl Streep wasn't famous, you could see just kind of her. She's playing the role of like a New York, a New Yorker columnist. And it's like, yeah, she's why not? A, yeah, I'll buy that. It's she she's good at playing like she's a privileged asshole. But like you kind of get into like her burgeoning romance with this guy. But then it's revealed by the end, like, oh, right. This is like a petty person who's afraid of like it being revealed that she's banging Chris Cooper. And there's like <laughs> such like a not to say it again, but just like a banal, like humanity to that kind of uh, reaction that I think is underrated. Yeah. What were you going to say, Drew? Um, Not related to anything you guys are talking about. I'm assuming, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I watched (laughs) the wrong movie. (laughs) I watched scary movie three and I have been misled (laughs) to the show. Um, I, uh, did you finally watch Arctic dogs? Dude, I wish Fuck Thunder dude. Squad of Justice. <laughs> I um this movie is I think that it works so well for me as like it's it's I would call it pretentious, but I know because we are so familiar with Charlie Kaufman, we know that there's no pretense in him being like this or wanting to make something like this. This is just that guy. It's not a guy being like, oh, wouldn't it be smart if I did this? This is a guy who is not capable of writing other things. <laughs> like he, yeah. he cannot get out of his own head long enough to to stop smelling his farts and for me that's a very positive thing because they Where smell good lives. they smell like a nice orchid um this is the story of his id and his super ego clashing and combining to become a regular ego because that's like the story of you know the human consciousness it's the story of our psychological struggle on a day-to-day basis um, where, you know, Donald is the id, he is instinctive, he's sexual. Um, he just, he just acts, he doesn't think. And then obviously I don't need to say what Charlie is. Um, and so, but when, when the, okay, (laughs) (laughs) bro, fucking super egos are incels. Charlie is a little (laughs) unlikable. 
Oh, uh, of course. When he's yeah, like he immediately cut to him jerking off. Yeah, he's a perv, man. He's <laughs> yeah. a little stinky. But I, perv. I think it's, I think it's funny. Like you're thinking, like, oh, this guy is like so dirty and like perverted um, and and weird and gross. But then you remember, oh, it's he's writing about he's himself. Writing himself. He's just like I'm very sad and lonely and horny all the time. It's it's just nice to me, and it's why like like Harry was saying earlier. Uh, how the discussions, the nonstop discussions about filmmaking get, you know, a bit strenuous and they, I can obviously see how that would be the case. And I wouldn't object to anyone saying that. Um, but the reason it works for me is because we're in the greater picture, we're seeing uh, two sides of a man's brain slowly fusing. And so those discussions matter a lot because it has this uh, it's like a whole different metatextual element where it's really uh, Charlie and Donald, who are both just Charlie, saying, "Why can't we just? Why can't I just be? Yeah, <laughs> and why can't I just write a damn movie? Yeah, a normal movie. And so, yeah, when when you learn to manage ego, that's when you learn how to manage self consciousness and you know, like caring and thinking about your actions with not getting lost in a milieu of just never doing anything. Yeah. And on the same level, like in this meta text when he finally learns to accept the Donald side of things, that's when the movie gets better. And that's, that, <laughs> that's, that's so what adds crazy. to my take of this being the best Kaufman because he manages to make a old fashioned ish movie. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't succumb to his own bullshit. Yeah. He, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah. He, he, there's a, a over 50% stretch of this movie where he's struggling with like, how do I maintain my artistic integrity and push the boundaries of what a movie can be. And then ultimately just make a regular ass good movie. Mm -hmm. It's fucking amazing. It's, it's an impossible yeah. thing. And so speaking back to my point about, maybe not wanting to teach students this so many students like to write like a, a script that's two characters talking. And then you realize at the end is there, it's just like two parts of one guy's brain. Ooh, dude, and it's like personality, dude. But the, the idea of uh, effectively managing to mirror that exact psychological struggle with the struggle of making a film and like discussing how they are the same mm -hmm. thing. I talked a while ago about simulation and simulacra, like that theory by Baudrillard. Um, when I wrote that big old thing about it, I used synecdoche, obviously. Um, I don't know if anyone, I don't remember if anyone has specifically asked him before if he's aware of that theory, but he is a huge reader about psych, like psychology. Doesn't he reference it in I'm Thinking of Ending Things? Isn't it like one of the books in the background or something? I think so. I think, yeah, 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 I think that's right. Which obviously it's an obsession of his. Like you wouldn't, I wouldn't need to ask him whether or not he's obsessed with the idea of like human semiotics, like replacing reality. That's what all of his projects are about. Um, especially Synecdoche yeah. really, but this movie does it too. This movie is about uh, the, the pretense of a film and the idea of a film just being the film. Um, like the replacement of what is with a new what is that perfectly mirrors what used to be what is while still being its own new thing. It's it's galaxy brain stuff that you can very easily be bothered by. Uh, it, it, it rides that line. And it also 
this movie and a lot of Kaufman stuff sort of reminds me of like the earlier Black Mirrors, like the really good ones Mm -hmm. where like they're they they have that same thing of like like college freshmen like hitting a joint being yeah. like this is actually about like a lot of what stuff. if the movie was about the movie yeah exactly you're like that. dude what if what if your phone kill you dude? it like it turns into the fucking abed is jesus yeah. episode of community this yeah, is like my episode this is my issue that i'm trying to like, divorce myself from where i'm trying to appreciate the movie on its merits while not thinking about the kind of person who'd be all in on this in college which exactly is, frankly all of us but still like, yeah it's it's hard to yeah it's hard to enjoy things once they're tainted but it's probably that. good that i didn't see this movie when we were 19 because this oh i would have Same. like adaptation posters all over the room and everything <laughs> of the dorm room and it would have but just been it would have been bad yeah but the, the, that's not fair to the movie so that's right. what i'm trying to figure out yeah it's exactly like, you know, you it's like the fight club effect like you have to separate it, it from the noise or the your kind of preconceptions well, of what the noise would have been around it. And it's mm-hmm. no coincidence that you brought up an episode of Community. That's in terms of full recursion and simulation being <laughs> the product, uh, Harmon is easily the closest that we have to Kaufman. That's why he worked with Kaufman on uh, Anomalisa. Mm-hmm. They, they're they cut from the same cloth. And that, that also explains why Anomalisa is so goddamn depressing. <laughs> and it also explains... Like they you brought each other. Dan Harmon down. is a very sad man too. I never well, thought I'd say this, but Dan Harmon actually comes off more, uh, uh, more well-adjusted. Yeah. yeah more well-adjusted, <laughs> which is a crazy thing to say actually, but, um, yeah. And a lot of it comes down to like just the differences in their crafts joke. Dan Harmon is an unreal joke writer. Like he, mm-hmm. he cares a lot about like being able to hit that button in the viewer, like repeatedly throughout an episode of TV. Um, but it has the same effect you were just saying with adaptation, imagining the college kid who's into this, imagining the 18 year old who gets obsessed with Rick and Morty, like we all did. Um, like it's the, it's the same deal because it's an, it's a great introduction for people into like meta text and like layered, uh, media, like media that isn't just about one singular thing and sort of makes you think about for a lot of people for the first time, they would watch something like this or something like a Harmon product. And they would start thinking about, wow, like, what constitutes like a TV show or a movie? Yeah. Like what story it, structure? It gets very like epistemological. Is that how you say that? I'm not that Ep- smart. Epi- yeah, Is yeah. anyone going to step over? Okay, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm just going. Right. I'm just going to keep <laughs> sure. rolling with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. Okay. It, it God, Drew, you watch. nailed that so well. Good uh-huh. job, man. Uh-huh. That was totally <laughs> it. it. It does. Though, it, like it gets into the nature of existing and being as a human and as content. Like it, and it's it's really frustrating because. When I saw Community for the first time, I was 14 and instantly it had that effect yeah, where I was like, this is, yeah, like I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Like I need to rethink like my viewing habits. Like I need to, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And so I'm glad that this could be that for somebody. I need to build a pillow for it. Yeah. And you build I, a blanket for it. I, I definitely have really enjoyed kind of metatextual fourth wall breaking stuff and more so in, in comic books which like i think go down smoother for me because they're so goofy and cartoon yeah you're a big deadpool of... head right oh that's my guy shut up <laughs> <laughs> don't even put that on the record don't get that anywhere it is a little like you know like that stuff can be fun i think like with stuff i mean i guess it is nice this is so much more weirdly nakedly earnest i guess that's kind of a good thing that like something as uh, yeah, dude, I, nakedly earnest. That is a good thing if you know what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree with you guys who are saying like this transcends being pretentious. I don't think it does in any way, but I do think that you guys, right, this is exactly 
this guy's being honest in his emotions when writing about it. Um, yeah, that's so that's do, the thing. I is do like, like that. It it is pretentious in like the the practical way that people say that word. It's just not by definition pretentious no. because there isn't pretense to him being like that. He just he actually no. is. It just it's, is annoying. People use pretentious to mean annoying, be. and this is annoying. Well, but but John, John yeah. Spike Jones and Nick Cage make it palatable. Oh, it's super. I like I love it's the movie. Seems, I've seen it three no. times now, and I love I like it more every time. Yeah. It just like. I think stuff like this sort of he is the roof him and Harmon both are the absolute roof of what you could do with this sort of like, over no, dude, there's explanatory. It shit. gets, it gets way, way crazier that I don't want to take up too much time on this show, but I, I haven't, cause I've, I haven't actually watched it yet, but I heard a, a podcast talk about this thing on YouTube called the story about the the show about the show um and it's a guy who's like he every episode is about the making of the previous episode Mm -hmm. and he like destroys his life making it he his wife like divorces him and and then he makes so it's not real it's like no it is real so it's like the but show, then he the makes, show review, basically. Ex- literally, yeah. yes. <laughs> no, exactly. That's so crazy. It's like review, but like he's the guy is that it's real. Yeah, his show becomes way too. And then, yeah, and then he like makes his wife who is leaving him act out a scene of when she like so is leaving him. what i said that, that does that really refute what i said though because i said that like they're the ceiling i was saying they're the ceiling of this type of content like quality wise oh not okay. like well, not like scary uh real life wise <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't want to because that is insane yes. and i want to watch that actually. i i i need to see um, it yeah but yeah we'll they're they're sort of the roof of two different forms of this you know like metatextual I hate that I keep saying that, but it's, it's just like, he is literally the textbook definition of meta text. And uh, the thing, the reason that it, it tends to have a bit of a roof on it when other people do it is because there's no impressionism allowed to be included in it. Um, With Harmon, this, this is like just the joke writing facet of it. Like he can do whatever he wants in his worlds because they're, they're absurdist. They're heightened. They don't adhere to our rules. Uh, Spike Jones brings a lot of impressionism into these movies. Like, you know, he adds a visual flair yeah. that is not introspective. It's artistic. You know, it's just in, an interesting choice. Um, Spike Jones has, I would say, a perfect mix of it and super ego going on in his head. Yeah, it's all <laughs> so those all those jackass stunts. Yeah, yeah. so you, they knocked his brain around just exa- the right amount. <laughs> so you get art, it like, as well. Because if this were just really... If this were more straightforwardly directed and if if Kaufman was a more straightforward writer, because he gets so he gets extremely weird. This movie, it, it does get into weird shit. But like if we're talking synaptic key or we're talking, I'm thinking of many things. Those movies get so inherently bizarre in their scripts and so sad. This yeah. one doesn't really get as like morbidly no. sad. No. This there, is there's ultimately a, there's a, a fun yeah, yeah there's, it, a there's a beauty to this movie for sure yeah. it's a beauty it's more of a general anxiety than a depression yeah which is kind of defined later uh kaufman joints I which i i fuck with but uh that's I, just it, it's i love tough. i love to be a sad that's boy just, um, it's just another reason that like these this movie and these movies in general work for me is because art is allowed to creep into something that will not stop thinking about itself they yeah. like they still find a way to let like artistic expression happened so you know I'm more, you know what's funny is yeah. that i feel like i was almost um on the opposite side from where you were harry after first watching yeah. this is that i actually um i 
fucking loved so much of the first part of this movie. And when this movie got conventional, it didn't work as well for me, which I know is the opposite of what you and what most, most people think. I was just all in on this, just being a full on writing and acting exercise. You would have liked the the movie that's just Cage. And now like after rewatching it now, I can really appreciate the conventionality at the end, especially because we're alluding to the need for conventionality. And so whenever it does become that, it's also like just the best version of that. The fact that you can, do so little and make me care as much as you do is just kind of a credit to Charlie Kaufman that if he wanted to just fucking write some whatever, some like B-list movie script, then he could rock that shit out of the park. He wouldn't want to though. But he wouldn't want to. And that's why I love the guy. I want to push back real quick just to make sure like I I didn't like enjoy the movie more when it became more conventional, like the three act structure. Yeah, I just enjoyed the emotions being revealed and like kind of like the 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 narrative aspirations again of these writers kind of giving way to like these much more petty human like issues more so than just like i'm glad an eight or eight chris cooper no no to, <laughs> me, I did no, enjoy that. <laughs> to clarify i mean yeah. like i did not like as much the chris cooper meryl street plot line as i did whenever it's just two cages together on my first wow. view oh, oh then yeah i'm definitely on my first view and i know dynamism that dynamism to that anyway most people uh don't feel that way on their first view <laughs> but i mean that now i have a full appreciation for everything they, i mean compliment not, not to other. take anything away from the performances or anything i still was just like yeah chris cooper fucking nailed it but i just want to see Nick Cage talking to Nick Cage and Nick and Nick Cage delivering Charlie Kaufman voiceover. Just give me that. Uh, they the both time. need each other to exist. Yeah. They the way You're they right. fit together yeah. felt clunky to me the first time. Uh, and it still probably objectively is. And there's kind of no way around that if you're writing this script because like that it's about how what's the editing too. Well, yeah, there's some of the moments where we just like yeah we- to directly. From these two yeah. completely different timelines, and but they need each other so badly because I I agreed with you the first time I watched. I I was into the cages. It was uh, way funnier. You know, it was just more interesting to see two cages uh, to me. But I I liked it so much better anyway when th- the two stories started colliding because that meant yeah. that they're like I wanted payoff because I I'm a human. I like watching movies mm-hmm. that you know follow yeah. story structure and have I'm a man and I have needs damn it and I need to see Chris <laughs> Cooper get well I don't know I feel like the gate the the the, the movie discussions with Nick Cage and uh Nick Cage are like they're serviceable fine but like his big points about like the idea of like you know wanting to do something more esoteric and weird and like there is no conflict and flowers that that is seems super basic and then the other nick cage is like i want to have a movie with like a villain and a and a crazy twist and like it all just felt like you know maybe this is like kind of the nature of us being people that are kind of raised on more like nuance like ironic kind of like metatextual stuff but going back to this in 2000 this all feels like cliff notes bush league stuff like this was not like this all felt very abroad uh, in its like commentary. Yeah, but who um, else would make a movie like this? Like there is nothing else like this. Like there's sure. no comparison point for any other different type of approach to something. I, like I would this. say like four seasons of Rick and Morty, but like I guess that's half the issue. Um because we well that's after backwards. that's that's, that's my point. Much, like yeah visiting it now it's like no yeah I don't know. It it felt like 
it didn't feel that nuanced or interesting to me. It was just more entertaining watching them bicker. It's um, also uh, the movie already is such an awful pitch that like if it got so if it was nuanced discussion between them like the audience yeah. would walk out yeah <laughs> that's, that's an I, agree. I think that's the i absolutely movie. agree it would be cool if they could all. get more yeah. in depth but uh people would like they would demand refunds if they <laughs> if they didn't point. already yeah. see that's the movie made money i just looked it up it made like twice its budget although not mm, including yeah. marketing but 19 still. million dollar budget and 32.8 probably a push from awards because critics fawned over this movie yeah critics ebert, went really hard on this movie ebert loved really it loved gave it. it a perfect score and then later on put it in his best of the decade i'm mm. pretty sure and i think it was maybe number two or number three of the year for him. Yeah. A.A. Dowd has said that it's one of the best movies of the 20 of the two thousands and oh, people love, this you know, shit. the, the two movies Ebert put above this on his list, hmm. uh, city of God, which I've never seen. And wow, damn, he's high on city of God. And, um, uh, Steven Spielberg's minority report. Wow. Um, Ooh. His favorite movie of 2002, uh, Roger Ebert. Fast, too fast, too furious didn't make the cut. That was a one. <laughs> oh, that yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh wait, no, too fast, too yeah, fast, no, was too, fa- o- too fast, too furious. So that's that's eligible for best of the decade, right? No, no, I'm talking about the, his favorite movies of 2002. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> we're having fun here. Um, <laughs> going back to uh, the like more emotional traditional writing, the monologue that uh chris cooper gives about uh the car crash that he goes in. oh and then we see yeah. it it's oh so good God. it's so well so done jarring. that's just like the perfect use of exposition to just like really hammer home and once again i doubt like i'm almost positive none of this is in the book at all this is just charlie kaufman just completely cutting from whole cloth and it's so good. It makes so much sense for his character because it establishes why he hasn't gotten his two front teeth fixed because yeah. they remind him of the death of his mother Oof. and his wife leaving him and all this kind of stuff. And he's still pissed at her for some reason. Yeah. He's like, that bitch. That bitch. <laughs> I had to start a porno scene. industry. <laughs> and then right, and then fucking immediately after that, uh, Hurricane Andrew comes in and destroys his nursery. Wrecked. It's, well, it's that's tough. one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Not that one, but when like they're looking for the flower and they can't find it, and basically like, and th- you just have that sinking, like you know, that feeling of just like, oh, this isn't what I had in my head that this relationship and this person is. And he like runs off, like bitching about her, like just talking trash, and it's like such a kind of come to Jesus moment of like, oh, this is just a man who is flawed and this idea of searching for something greater is you know maybe like a tilting at windmills thing you know which is cool so before we Um, get to the categories i want to wrap up kind of like the plot summary of the movie so around the halfway point um after struggling to figure out how to adapt this book charlie gets the idea to write about himself trying to write about the movie and he I'm, goes, I'm really surprised it took him that long. He, he's like, <laughs> something insane. he would think of really quick. He he has like a full on like panic attack, he mental breakdown. He writes. He is actively writing the things that we already saw in the movie. He's yeah. just like, we're gonna open with voiceover, and then to me singing. Dinosaurs. No, wait, no. We'll start with the the origins <laughs> of life, and yeah, well, and it then it becomes like 
a, a fractal once it catches up. Yeah. Like his yeah. screenplay in the movie catches up to like the current moment in the movie. It, it becomes like a, you know, that's when it becomes sort of like, okay, we've completed the cycle. Right. But then or there's Boris. still another like 25 minutes left mm-hmm. of the movie or whatever it is, which is uh, he decides that he needs to go meet Meryl. Uh, he can't bring himself to actually talk to her. So he stalks her um, and convinces Donald to come along with him as well to Florida. And pretty much from this point on, we have essentially left the earth. We are fully into the, uh, we have entered the matrix essentially uh, as we travel down to Florida, the two timelines have converged Um Oh, I'm totally skipping over Brian Cox. Yes, I was about to say we gotta He's we gotta really talk good. Cox. Um, incredible scene. Like I love Brian Cox screaming at the top of his lungs yeah. at Nick Cage. <laughs> it is incredible. Well, that's the you best think joke nothing in the movie. happens in yeah. life. <laughs> People get that's murdered the- on the streets every day. The best joke in the movie is when he's just like, you better even fucking think to use voiceover. So help me God or whatever. Yeah, and just and, like, and so meanwhile, funny. the voiceover is happening. Actually, he's like, oh, dear God. <laughs> well, the voiceover stops. Yeah. And you don't hear it again until the very end of the movie. There's no voiceover from it's that moment. Good. He just like cuts him off. It's so good. It just Brian Cox just perfect. They, they had other uh, people lined up to play Robert McKee. Um, yeah, they wanted like Christopher Plummer, which would have been great. Um, Plummer would have been really good. Uh, Terrence Stamp, Albert Finney, Michael Caine were also considered. But Michael Caine doesn't have like you need kind the, of the, the, the tenacity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Robert McKee himself suggested Brian Cox. So Hell yeah. good call, yeah. Robert McKee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Brian Cox is such a traditional actor that makes sense that why. Robert McKee was just like kind of drawn just, to somebody like that. I just love that they let him go off. He is just screaming, just <laughs> yelling. It is so good. So, so good. And poor little Charlie's just like, ooh, my screenplay. Ooh, ooh. Trying to write about flowers. <laughs> Are you doing Woody Allen? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to write about some flowers. <laughs> you're just doing um, you're just doing the South Park character, uh, Jimmy. <laughs> Apparently, Spike said that uh, he was thinking a lot about Woody Allen when writing her. There's a oh, lot of Woody in her. Yeah, it's about so. a miserable guy who just wants GF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's some uh some yeah. big but Woody he can't out, fuck. but without the 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 humor. Another another incel movie right there. Yeah. Technically Scarjo in that movie is like less than a year old. So Ew. Oh, okay. Ooh, I will Theodore. say no. The, as much as I love her, her is like uh, the poster child for the incel movement that we are right. currently right. in. Right. Unfortunately, yeah. I am going to become the Theodore. So there are categories. What was that? Yeah. Um, so uh, we're gonna do like best moment, best quote, um, okay. all that good stuff. I, so one thing I did want to say before we get to that, uh, whenever because Charlie, of course, he bitches out actually see, talking to Meryl. So then Donnie has to go for him. Gets caught um, immediately, and he does the whole oh, when like, they're the, meeting. Yeah, when, when they're meeting they at the, the office, yeah. meeting thing, the office. And he's just like, uh, one last question: If you could have a dinner with anyone in history, who would you go with? It's so bad, but it's like perfect for <laughs> yeah. his Einstein character. Einstein or Jesus? What the hell? Just like that, and that's the thing 
that triggers in me is just like there's something wrong. Yeah. Everyone says Einstein or Jesus. So they yeah, they <laughs> they stalk her. Well, I guess this is like the pivotal moment of of the movie right here, uh, which I kind of breezed over earlier. Is he meets with Donald, um, and he basically says like, "I need you to help me finish my screenplay." Like this is like the the turning point. What what is it the Act two to three, whatever the McKee story mm-hmm. structure. Drew, help yeah. me out here. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a McKee guy. <laughs> the the big crux of the point of no return is that a thing? Yeah. Sure, it's yeah. the whole. Or line I think about that's just, earlier. Uh, in whatever. Wild them in the end, and then you've got a hit. The point where he asked to add, and don't you dare bring in a Deus Ex Machina. Where he asked like Donald, Connery. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> Jesus, uh. he's similar to Connery. <laughs> Welcome to the Rock. is sean connery (laughs) asked about doing this role welcome to the florida swamps um we have to we have to move so (laughs) so donald asked or charlie asked donald to uh help him finish the screenplay which i think is like the pivotal moment of the movie because from that point on Donald is helping him the finish movie the happens. screenplay and the, the movie changes. Yeah. And we're in a new movie. We and see Meryl seamless. on the porn site. Yeah, exactly. It's a seamless, just like through the looking glass moment. We're in it. We're in a mm-hmm. different movie and we don't even notice it. Um, and yeah, we're, we're in Florida. They stalk her to um, John's house where they're about to bang. They're snorting the uh, opium from the orchid flower um and they catch him immediately and Meryl's like well i guess we have to kill him there's nothing else we can do so they take him out mm-hmm. to the swamps um and you know they get away they have to chase him into the swamps and they're trying to find him in the dark and donald and charlie have this beautiful brotherly moment um where they bond and they kind of come to an understanding and Donald kind of like helps Charlie realize like how to let go of his uh, desires to just, how do, how do I even say this? Like he, he's holding on to this desire to like break open people and mm-hmm. like not connect to people. And, and he's so wrapped up in his own head that he can't connect to people. And Donald like helps him kind of let go of that. Yeah. He Donald helps him like him, unburden himself. Tells him the story about like the girl who he loved and everything else. And like, he's just like, yeah, I knew they were making fun of me, but that was my love. She couldn't take that love away from me. Exactly. Such mm-hmm. a nice moment. Great mm-hmm. moment. God, he's I great. feel like everybody, I, I need that moment sometimes. It's, it's a wonderful mm-hmm. scene. Uh, Cage just, Absolutely knocks it out of the park right there. And um, yeah, then Chris Cooper gets uh, eaten by a gator. A gator. gator. Um, and uh, well, I guess the car crashes before that because Donald gets shot in the yeah. arm by Chris Cooper. Then they mm-hmm. drive away. Boom, car accident. Donald flies off. Crazy, jarring moment. Um, and then, then he gets eaten by the gator. Um, and then the Not movie good. kind of wraps up, calls his mom, cries. And we get that kind of finale with the girlfriend from earlier before he drives off. And we get this beautiful shot 
the one of my favorite like all time final shots is just he drives away and we pan down to the flowers and then it's just yeah. like a time lapse where it's just so like cool. days and days and days with the flowers opening and closing. Mm. Love that. Love that. And uh, yeah, that's adaptation. Maybe Before we get to the Cagegories, um, because we mentioned Chris Cooper. That's one. This is the drinking game for the Cage series. Is every time someone says, "Before we get to the Cagegories," okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Before we get to the Cagegories, uh, we mm. mentioned the Chris Cooper won an Academy Award, and Nick Cage and uh, Meryl were nominated. The year was two thousand two. Do you guys know one Best Picture? The Pianist. No. No. I wish. It was nominated. Yeah, it was nominated. Roman Polanski won for Best Director. The Artist? No, no. That, that's 10 years later. What's the, yeah, I'm thinking of Chicago, which is before, right? It's Chicago. Oh, nice. Wow. Cool. Really, uh, it was peak Weinstein uh, control on the Oscars year. Um, best Actor, who Nick Cage lost to? Pianist. Yeah. Uh, Brody. Yeah, Brody. That's, I'm cool with that. Dude, The Pianist is, it's a sad movie. Um, I know Polanski is not a, uh, He's in the Woody Allen camp of uh, people that are uh, no-nos, but The Pianist is a really beautiful movie. Quick thoughts on this whole... Norm Polanski, fun fact, was not allowed to come to the Academy Awards to pick up his Oscar because he will be arrested on site if he enters the country. Jesus quick, Christ. Quick thoughts yeah. on this whole like climax of the movie. This is like so... It's so like removed from the movie before it but still very much attached to it yeah. you know donald dies and everything it, it it's works very emotional me. it works for me it, it's it's very uh harman you know it's very similar to harman harman obviously echoes kaufman here but like the the knowledge that what he's doing is sort of just like hitting a button that the audience wants him to hit but still being very good at it like every community episode mm -hmm. does have a tender moment toward the end of it um it's the same thing. It, it works. We yeah, want I'm surprised it. how affected I was by it. Um, not not so much like the fight. Just just um, what's his fate? Donald dying. That was uh, I was like interesting. This is actually working for me, uh, which was cool. And uh, Meryl holding the lifeless John. You know, that's another kind of gutting moment where you know she's like, "Oh, I want to go back. I want to be a baby again. I want to do it over." Just like, damn, yeah, that's, that's so sad. Meryl really gets a little moment right there to shine. Um, we can transition, uh, another, a great Donald line into the cage agories, but, uh, as Donald gets shot, he says, I got shot. Isn't that <laughs> fucked up? <laughs> it's such good line. Delivery. And, then, and then Charlie's so like, it's like, don't laugh. Like, <laughs> shut up. Don't laugh. And then boom, bam, <laughs> that Dies. line read that might have my vote it, it reminds me of friend of the pot colin it's yes it seems it? like something colin yeah like the way to. the way he acts and stuff with this it's like nonchalance in the face of just brutal I, reality i have that as a nominee in the cage moments um some other of the cage moments that i have is um are we are we doing quote first or, mo or are you jumping let's do to moments because then i have another uh new category before we get to quotes okay. um one of my other moments um, is Nick Cage simping for Kara Seymour. Um, and he has the whole voiceover in his head. It's like, I should have gone in. I'm such a chicken. I should have kissed her. I should go knock on her door and just kiss her. It would be romantic. It would be something we tell our kids about someday. I'm going to do that right now. And then he just drives away. <laughs> That's human. That's a human ass moment. I love right that. There. And we've all done that. We've all oh, done yeah. that. <laughs> um, I mentioned the, I got shot. Isn't that fucked up? Um, 
Oh wait. Uh, oh, Cage asking uh, Judy Greer out. Really, the whole Judy so Greer thing so um, from her That's just trying. And I've worked in the service industry, um, especially as like as a server when you just have to fake nice conversations. Like, oh yeah, you're reading a book about orchids. Yeah, I love flowers. Ha <laughs> ha. And then. <laughs> Him going my home. little flower. The ordering expert. Of the That's it. My that... or, my orchid expert. My little my... orchid expert. So <laughs> he she makes a comment on the flowers. He goes home, fantasizes about asking her out and uh like fucking her at mm-hmm. the orchid nursery, then goes in and asks her out, and then it's just the most uncomfortable 30 seconds of the entire movie. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough sit. Um, and then uh one other one that I have on here for a moment, uh which might be it's that along with the i just got shot it's another donald moment it's him with maggie gyllenhaal who they're dating at one point and he's at a party and uh he says a little push push in yep. the bush. <laughs> that was mine so i'll submit that for my moment that's a <laughs> great yeah i'll say that for a moment and then for quote i would say i got shot isn't that fucked up <laughs> um before we do you have a vote for moment yeah so i think for moment i have to go with the whole sequence of him like just losing his mind talking into the tape recorder oh like dictating so good the screenplay um and then like writing it down on a notepad and then dictating what he said what he's writing on the notepad back into the tape recorder (laughs) it's just the work of like just so manic it's it's so it's up its own ass that's the best 50 times over <laughs> that's the best Kaufman moment mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. honestly it, yeah and for quote there's a lot one uh one other moment that I do want to shout out that I didn't write down but I just thought about is uh whenever Donald calls Charlie to tell him they finished the script and he's just like yeah Catherine is uh looking at the sport and <laughs> Charlie's like Catherine Catherine Keener is at my house <laughs> right now yeah we're just that's hanging really out good. Uh, playing chess, whatever they're doing. Before we get to just uh, best cage quotes, that's what it is. I have a new category just for this episode: best cage off, best cage versus cage exchange. Ooh, okay. Um, so I'm gonna go through a couple of them. This one I love. The script I'm starting. It's about flowers. No one's ever done a movie about flowers before, so there are no guidelines. What about flowers for Algernon? Well, that's not about flowers, and it's not a movie. Okay, I'm sorry, I never saw it. even before that when he's like oh i gotta get on my back while you talk to me (laughs) all right go ahead so he is so good at at writing humor sometimes i do fall into your camp harry where i almost i do wish he could sort of butt out of his own head a little bit because yeah he can do sequences of just unreal funny Mm-hmm. If he wants, yeah, that's, that's scary. But that's I kind of thing, like though. that. That's it's just is. it's the little peppered in there. It like adds a little spice to his uh mm-hmm. his souffle that he's making. Um, the next one I have is, um, this is Donald starring this. Listen, I need a cool way to kill people. Don't worry for my script. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't write that kind of stuff. Oh come on, man! Please, you're the genius. Here you go. The killer's a literary professor. He cuts off little chunks of his victims' bodies until they die. He calls himself the deconstructionist. Oh, yeah, I'll use that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Next one is uh, uh, the girl, the killer. The girl, the killer, the girl, and the cop all have split personalities. They're all the same person. Isn't that fucked up? (laughs) 
<laughs> the only idea more overused than serial killers is multiple personality. On top of that, you explore the notion that cop and criminal are really just two aspects of the same person. See every cop movie ever made for other examples of this. Mom called it psychologically taught, <laughs> um, which then I didn't write down the full thing, but uh, uh, then also after that moment, eventually uh, Charlie's just like, yeah, cool. Yeah. It's psychologically taught. It's very profound. Dress to kill. Donnie says, cool. I really like dress to kill until the third act. Do new mint. It's like, that's not how you say that word. Do you have any, do you have any others? Uh, this is the last one. And this one is uh, my, my favorite. This one is my pick. It's I'm putting in a chase sequence. So the killer flees on horseback with the girl, yeah. the cops after them on a motorcycle. It's like a battle between motors and horses, like technology versus horse. <laughs> versus horse and they're still all one person right <laughs> that's the one that's gold. technology versus horse gold i'll go with that um so best cage quote there's there's a lot i mean every single one you said is yeah I, I had to make a different category yeah. just for the exchanges yeah <laughs> wait oh that was not even close no that was just the exchanges yeah i mean that that counts wait, for really both. I, that, that, yeah, that that's a quote. quote because yeah. it's cage i i wrote down one that's not an exchange that's just a single line um and it just it just really really worked for me he says you and i share the same dna is there anything more lonely than that <laughs> just good charlie kaufman shit the right delivery there. the delivery of that by mm. cage is just chef's kiss beautiful beautiful shit mm. Any other quotes before we move on? I, I wrote a couple of voiceover quotes on here. There's so some long. voiceover and some other things. No, uh, the one is uh, him trying to begin the script. He says, to begin, to begin, how to start. I'm hungry. I should get coffee. Coffee would help me think. Maybe I should write something first, then reward myself with coffee. Coffee and a muffin. So I need to establish the themes. Maybe a banana nut. That's a good muffin. I like that one a lot. Harry, did you have any quotes? I just like the ending where he says, I don't know, just the way Nick Cage delivers, just like the ending line, just like, this is good. I like this. Like that, that feels like I, he got a feeling across. I feel sometimes when I just feel satisfied with something I've actually written, which is few and far between. It just, it there you go. felt, felt it in my bones. That's good stuff. One other quick shout outs. Um, I mentioned it before, but uh, the did you know that there has never been a new genre since Fellini invented the mockumentary? My genre is thr thriller. What's yours? <laughs> That's like like freshman year film student. Pick, pick your genre. Uh, really good. Um, OK, next is good cage or bad cage. This is to me the Great best. Cage. The Great best cage. Yeah, it's it's really, really, really good. Cage. You get two. Even get if two. one of them's not as good, you have another one right there. And pick your favorite cage. And as a result, it is like the cartoony cage and the more restrained cage at once. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's they're it, intertwined. It show, it's a rangy performance. And it's like the last two movies I think we've seen, I said I would put almost anyone in this instead of cage. This one, I it's going to be hard to recast. What was the last movie you guys watched? Last week was Wind Talkers. Wind Talkers. Uh, Big improvement ever. Yeah. We were on a rough <laughs> run. It was City of Angels and then Wind Talkers. That was a rough twofer here. Yeah. Damn um okay next category is how many cages out of 10 where did you where did you put this on the cage meter harry are we talking nick cage performances or nick cage movies nick, no nick just the most cage-ness cage oh, oh, not well, not based on quality like you said you would say face off is a 10 
you know, oh, or Vampire's yes. Kiss. I, Vampire's Kiss I is would, like a 12. That's so hard for me. Um, I would give this, I give it, he's not like super out there, but mm. he's doing a lot I really like. So if like quality wise, I'd give him like a nine. Nick Caginess, I'd give it like a seven and a half, seven and a half, I guess. I think that's totally fair. I actually, yeah, that's... I would, I would put it right about where you did. I'd go, I'd go a little higher. I'd go like maybe eight, eight and a half. Okay. Yeah. It was like around seven ish or so. Cause a lot of this, I mean, he is more so he's doing Charlie Kaufman, which Charlie Kaufman is restrained um, for the most part. Like that's the main role that he's playing as Charlie. Whenever he's Donald, he can have a little bit more fun, but it's still, it's not, it's not super duper cagey. So I'd go with like a seven ish. Um, before we get to recaging couch, is there a hot yogurt scene in this movie? Oh is shit! It, I didn't write down the hot yogurt scene. Is it the? Is it talking like jacking off to Meryl's picture in the book? <laughs> <laughs> like just her her artist <laughs> her author photo at the end of the book? I think I think there's multiple hot yogurt scenes, which is like any time he has any interaction with any woman. No, you know what it is, guys. It's the very first scene. It's whenever he's profusely sweating and talking to Tilda Swinton. Mm. Mm-hmm. he's trying to hold in a cum face they had to actually make him special shoes that were yeah. filled with hot yogurt yeah. <laughs> for, for some of and at scenes. this point in his career he like he he's fried on the hot yogurt so it's like he needs it but he doesn't like it see he just has to walk around with hot yogurt in his <laughs> shoes and he like hates himself for it yeah, like he has to have hot yogurt on his feet just to feel normal. Like it's like a big, it's like really bad like drug addiction. Um, so what's next? Recaging couch. Could you remake this movie who are with we, somebody else? Who are who are we putting it? And you would still get a great movie. Yes, I'm sure, but it has to be the right pick. It there most actors I would not want to see. Do, yeah, like, try. This. I mean, earlier we we said Tom Hanks was the pick before Cage, which I think would kind of fall apart. I, I don't I, see that working. I'm sorry, actually, guys. I think Jesse Plemons would probably do it. That seems like he sure. could do both. He's got both of those energies. Can he look like Kaufman though? It oh, wouldn't no, be who, Kaufman. Who cares? Nick Cage doesn't either. He just has to be no, ugly, and he is. He's just gross. <laughs> Kind of Did look seen, like Kaufman a little bit. No, Charlie Kaufman looks like like John Glover. Like he's he like a tiny. Like, yeah, he's like a little. Uh, that's a good comp. He's like a little rat. Like he he doesn't. <laughs> he's an ugly. Yeah, they're man. not similar. Yeah, but, they're just both like. Bleh. Yeah, but Cage like he like. Do you warp think himself a little bit for this role? He you, has like a wig oh and God. like. Do you think that the that's audience it. is like? Well, that doesn't look anything like Charlie Kaufman at all. <laughs> this is not accurate. In the theater, people are just leaving. Like they're Plenty screaming. That is Ernest, not my like Charlie. Sorry. Nick Cage does not look like Charlie Kaufman. Look at no, photos of he him doesn't. right now. Okay. I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, compared to how Nick Cage looks in other movies, like they he tried to make him. him. He looks schlubby, which is good. And I'm sure Jeffy Plemons could look schlubby. He usually does. Has Jesse ever been like magnanimous before? Has he ever been like a big, booming, like cool guy? Not Donald's not cool. Not not cool, cool, but like a guy who like is just like doesn't have a second thought in his head. He just like thinks he's cool. I mean, he could bring like his energy from something in like game night or something like that, where he's a little bit more like he's kind of deeply weird in game (laughs) night. Like he's a little bit manic. (laughs) Like he could kind of find something like like, I have faith. I believe in Jesse Plummons do anything. Someone that I think could do it that like you know, polarizing 
perform. It's a, literally a bipolar performance. It's a bipolar movie. Shia LaBeouf could do it at like hundred percent. I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not yeah. even like, I'm not even going to debate it. He, could, I think he that, could nail it. I think that it becomes more of a Shia LaBeouf movie. Like, I think that he's uh, maybe sure. too. It would the have thing to be is you not, have to use like, it would have 20, to be later. You have to use like 2010 Shia LaBeouf. You yeah. can't do 2020 Shia LaBeouf because that's, he's like too much into yeah. his own head. Like, now. yeah, it would be like, even like 2013, like he, he could absolutely nail this fucking role. Hundred percent. Um, I don't think anybody else could do it. I think it's pretty perfect as it is. If I had to pick somebody, I would love to see like Philip Seymour Hoffman I, in there. Philip Seymour Hoffman was the only name that I wrote down, but I think I like Jesse Plemons a little bit more. I think That's Philip a good Seymour pick. Hoffman is too like Plemons is more like alive right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he also has less. But back in O two, fucking you know? a. He's got less like grandeur about him. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman play. is. I just I whenever I see Philip Seymour Hoffman, I still just think of like the master. Like I'm thinking of somebody mm-hmm. who it's just like, yeah, yeah, I'd follow this guy to the ends of the earth. And like you need somebody who's a little bit a little bit more weaselly. You can do it. Um, I had one note that I wanted to um, bring up before we wrapped up, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, um, maybe my favorite is when Meryl is talking to the Seminole at the, uh, the nursery and see your sadness. Yep. That quote, I can see it's your sadness. Book. It's lovely. I just think that the, the fact that they took the time to have moments like that makes this movie mm-hmm. perfect in mm-hmm. my eyes, because it's not just, Donald and Charlie having conversations about story structure and screenplays for two hours. It's these deviations into much more kind of meditative, beautiful, serene moments like that, that uh, make the movie beautiful. Like it's, it's, it's not just the Kaufman show. Like I've been saying, it does give you these other moments and Meryl is so good. She's, I think her performance is, like you said, kind of underrated to, to an extent, um, just because it's so understated. Uh, and in that scene, I think it's just like, just wow, beautiful. Sweet. Um, all right. Any final thoughts, Harry? Adaptation? I, liked, I, I like this more the more we've talked about it. It's not something I'm really ever going to connect to emotionally because I think the guy's a twerp. But like on, on average, <laughs> <Jesus>. like it's <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. He's got problems. Write about it more. Uh, but like it's it's a, Ernest, what you said, just how it's like a very well put together, well balanced movie and how each piece kind of adds into the next. I think that's something to really respect and appreciate about it. Um, I yeah. do. I do think it is like a very well-made film even if it's its sensibilities aren't entirely for me um but it's definitely one of his works i like more for certain um and i i do think there is like a beauty and like a, a poignancy to it that uh is is nice um and there's also a lot of writer anxiety that i can relate to so i understood that also <laughs> i'm saying <laughs> good give stuff. it give it a few months or a year or so and go back and rewatch mm-hmm. this movie because there is a lot I, I think with every charlie coffin movie i'm thinking of ending things i fucking love the shit out of and now after re-watching it for i think the third time a couple weeks ago that movie might just be like perfect i think that might be like a 10 out of 10 movie 
Wow. Harry, do you have any other thoughts on Cage in general? You know, we're doing this series. We're trying to, you know, get to the bottom of of the cage barrel. <laughs> any think, any like bigger, broader thoughts on the guy? I think he is a kind of like a very underrated talent. I think he has been ridiculously good in some movies. I think he's someone that has a really fundamental understanding of the energy he brings to things and the way to utilize that. And, um, you know, he's definitely had his time in the woods when he's making shitty movies to pay off like low uh, debt and what have you, but like, like all he does now. Yeah. He's had a, he's had a bit of a renaissance, not a renaissance, but like a return in the last like two to three to four years. Um, but like, I, I do think he he has like a complete mastery over his energy and his presence on screen. Um, and I just, I just love the stuff he does. I, I, I always am interested in whatever um, movies. I mean, I think a mommy and daddy, I think it was what it was called uh, a more recent movie that he was in, which was really great. Um, and yeah, vampires kiss rules. Yeah. Mandy is another great one from the last couple of years. I do need to see Mandy. Um, I need to see Mandy. He is, He's great It's enough. really like you just have to, like, I feel like he needs kind of, I mean, we've talked about it before. You just got to let him off the leash. Just let this man fucking cook. And yeah. you're going to get something out of it. But he, stuff like this, hold on, stuff like this and bringing out the dead is like a quieter, more nuanced thing that he can do just as well. He's yeah, not really. just like balls to the wall. He can do right. that if he has like the right auteur behind the project. Yeah, Cause absolutely. I've seen that go bad whenever he is trying to do understated in a movie that has either a really bad script or a nothing director. And it's just kind of like, he has nowhere to really go with his performance. And For this sure. is, yeah. I mean, this to me, this uh, is of a piece with something like raising Arizona and uh, wild at heart where mm -hmm. his energy matched with the right creative force uh, is propelled to something bigger. You right, so you're starting to sway me into this might be the apex of the three, the three generals in I, charge here. I really feel like it is. I mean, I love her. I just rewatched her today. Mm -hmm. I do think you can easily make an argument for her. Yes, um, I think it has to be her. I'm sorry. It's, like the direction, the Kaufman, the Kaufman is, Cage connection is something special. The the movie. direction of her is like the main thing about that movie. Yeah, like you 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 think of the color palette and you think of the shot selection and you think of the production design, which is her the is thing. the reason why pastels are in. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's it's her is a whole vibe. Funny. But as far as as far as <laughs> Kaufman, that's I feel like that's an easier sell to say that this might be the best Kaufman. Um, I know that that her. I, I see the thing. The thing is, is that Spike is full auteur mode in her. You know, that's his own script. With this, he is doing, in my eyes, a lot of work to make this work. Right. Like he doesn't have to do as much work with her because that's such kind of like this more insulated piece that he has full control over with this. He's working with Cage. He's working with Kaufman. Like there's so many other more kind of um, things that are not fully under his control that the fact that he manages to make it all work 
is more of a feat. That, and yeah, if you are of the school, which I know you are, I don't ascribe to the school, but of like that Charlie Pot. Kaufman Pete that he is best when he is not directing his own yeah, films. That is fully I know that's take. how you feel. Yeah. So that's why I could see you. Yeah, really I just describing to that. I just fundamentally don't agree because on the flip side of what you said, which is valid, the more you are in control of something, the more you can fuck it up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's not one yeah, choice true. in the direction in her that I disagreed with. And I'm very, very annoying, especially about like sci-fi stuff. Uh, it's it's a flawlessly shot movie to me. Uh, it's it gorgeous. doesn't matter yeah. is the thing. They both exist, and I'm happy that they are yeah. both there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so yeah, I think we can wrap All it up right. there. Um, adaptation, great movie, phenomenal movie. Cage, uh, given what might be the best performance that we talk about on this uh series uh i don't know what after this your podcast oh, well, we haven't general. gotten a g-force yet um that's true I, g-force is gonna vie for that this might spot. we there might be some later uh in the back half that are more cagey uh that the, there's more cageness yeah, than this one definitely but i think this one is like as good as it gets with just sheer kind of Mm-hmm. craft dynamic performance good job. right this might Very not good. be my favorite in the entire series but i think that this is probably going to be the best yeah. all right harry thanks for coming on the show um Thank you guys. we appreciate last we appreciate yeah. you uh hanging us uh hanging with us on this cage journey yeah. um, i liked uh trying something different it was fun to totally work for me but it was an enjoyable time I noticed you this. did get up and somebody who looks just like you sit down. <laughs> and uh, frankly, computer. this guy is way cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Fair enough. Is, this guy's all about asshole. push, pushing in the bush. <laughs> push, push in the bush. Okay. Uh, anything you want to plug, anything you want to let the listeners know about where they can find you? You can uh, find me at the... The Observer newspaper in Sarasota, and uh, I'm on Twitter, Harry J. Sayer, um, and uh, yeah, that's me. Cool, cool, cool. We have a website, webottommike.net, where you can read a new article that Hunter just wrote. You want to tell him about it? Um, I wrote an article. uh, It's mostly about the television show Invincible, um, but I kind of pulled a little Charlie Kaufman of my own, and uh, it became more of a piece about how superheroes and the superhero genres are following the same trajectory as the Westerns of old. So like we are now fully in the third wave uh, of superheroes where we are past the wave of like what was spaghetti Westerns and what was Deadpool. Like, this is meta. This is epic. I fart. Um, (laughs) And now we're at the point where the famous Deadpool quote the meta level to the storytelling has now become a bit more of a self-reflection mm-hmm. um butch cassidy's own yes butch exactly. cassidy i compare it to unforgiven um the 1992 clint. clint eastwood film that is also just an incredible movie but um yeah uh check it out it was a nice piece to write read even if you i don't give away any kind of spoilers for invincible or for any of the movies that i talk about on there so uh just check it out i love invincible you finished yeah. watching it, right? Oh, yeah. It's fucking incredible. It's going to vie for the best TV of the year. It is 
fucking it's so awesome. good drew you gotta check it out i know you're done with superhero content and so am i i'm not gonna watch falcon and the winter soldier i've just straight up decided yeah, at this point fine. he's captain america cool yeah. got it you're good um i'm ready for the next movie if i guess i fucking guess no i want to um, i want to watch it like you know watch one division's a better movie or better show you want to watch falcon and the winter soldier no of course not oh okay i thought um, you just had like a heart attack like a stroke <laughs> like, a have you been Who's watching mandalorian uh, <laughs> that's You're how really? i'll know that you have a twin brother who's taken over your thing yeah it's like yo are you guys hyped for like what are they gonna do without baby yoda dude the flag smashers though they kind of had a point <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. No, they did Again, I, I haven't watched this show. I don't no, know. What you're well, about. check out Hunter's article at webottomike.net. Check out uh, our Twitter at webottomike. Email us at webottomike at gmail.com. Donate to the show. Thanks to all you beautiful donors for supporting the show. Um, next week. Next week is National Treasure. Oh, man. That'll oh, be shit. Fun. The one and <laughs> only. On uh, we got Adam. Adam. Hell well, yes. yes. No, actually, That's gonna be, yes. Yeah. It's kind of a zillennial canon. <laughs> oh, it is. It is. Yeah. It's going to be a crossover. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but me and Adam are going to pop the fuck off. Oh, okay, I'm, can, I'm we also, can we also talk about the sequel? I think I'm going to watch the sequel, too. Oh, no. Secrets? Fucking secrets? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to kidnap the president of the United States. <laughs> uh, so All look right. forward to that next week. Um, rounding out the these last few cages here before the the movies come back we got movies coming back yeah. in a couple months uh movies, movies coming out and uh yeah excited for all that excited for more new episodes um thanks again harry you're welcome you. back thanks, anytime uh, thanks for listening we love you bye bye all right. bye